Like if you get a cut on your leg and it's a pretty big gash and you don't look at it and you don't tend to it and you don't get it taken care of, it's going to get worse. It's going to fester. And eventually it's going to become so much worse. You're going to have to probably cut off that leg, right? So it's not that we are now obsessing with only looking at the bad stuff. Rather, it's the invitation is if you want to have a clean closet, you have to clean your closet. If you, want to, if you want to have your life be in congruency, you have to look at the ways that it's not. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. Welcome back. We are so glad you're here if you're new. And for all the OGs, thank you so much for tuning in again. Truly, I'm Lindsay Simsick. And I'm Krista Williams, <laughs> <laughs> reporting, coming to you live. Just in case you don't know us, um, we're happy you're here. This podcast is about having really real, honest conversations. This is about Krista and I learning right along with you. And we you know, are unafraid to have conversations that might be uncomfortable and really for our growth and for the betterment of the world. Yeah. And that's really, you know, leads us to the conversation today on white privilege and white fragility. So we had this conversation back in 2018 with Tai Sky. It was so powerful. It's one of our most downloaded episodes and it was really real and raw. I get very emotional during the episode, just feeling all the, the white guilt and the white shame. But I think it's really important now for us to dig back into this topic. Since 2018, maybe even earlier, Lindsay and I have been doing the work in the space on ourselves personally, on our own to really, you know, be better, do better. And so in an effort to do that in the past couple of weeks, we've been sharing information and content related to the anti-racist movement and related to educating our majority white audience who we love so much and really calling in the black women and the women of color into into our space. You know, they are some of the most powerful, kind, loving people. And I see it all the time at events and in the group, but calling more of those amazing women in. Truly, this episode, we cover just how we as white women contribute to and benefit from racism, from the systemic racism, how we can really educate ourselves. So Thais is, is really great in giving tactical things we can do and information that we can dig into to learn more about ourselves and our privilege and systematic oppression. We also discuss what our place is in the conversation. I I think a lot of white women, white people are unsure where they fit into the conversation. And so uh, we talk a lot about that. We also talk, talk about how to avoid tokenizing people of color 
Uh, we talk about when people say they're colorblind. Uh, so this episode, we really cover so much that we're seeing and and conversing about now. And I'm I'm very I'm very excited and honored that Thais had this conversation way back when and continues to do this work. Yeah, and just a note on this too. So as we, you know, have done the re-release of this information right here and then with Rachel Cargill, it doesn't mean that we're not working behind the scenes to really um, mm-hmm. continue as we have done. And since we started Almost 30 to amplify Black voices and women of color, that's always been a pillar and an importance to us, but we will be continuing to do that in the upcoming weeks and months even more so. Our intention right now is to not continue to burden these women, to teach us more about our white privilege and our white fragility as we have all the resources in front of us from social media, from from Rachel, from amazing people you can find online and also on our website for resources on this space. So our intention now is to reshare the information that is so pertinent to this time and continue to amplify uh, women of color and black voices as we continue. Truly. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being open. Thank you for doing the work. Um, you can follow us on Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram. We have resources that we are posting there all the time and as well as on our website, almost30podcast.com and in the secret Facebook group. We're having conversations around race, around uh, white fragility, and it's a really, really beautiful place to be and to be in conversation. Yeah, it's super powerful. And we also, this past weekend, offered our Inner Peace program, which is a program to cultivate inner peace to everyone in our community free. And if you're still interested to get that, I'm happy to extend and and give it to you. You can just DM us on Instagram and we can give you a code to access our Inner Peace program, which we created to help people cultivate peace for free. Truly, if you'd like to learn more about Thais Sky, you can go to thaissky.com. That's T-H-A-I-S-S-K-Y.com. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this episode and we will see you on the other side. Love you. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash almost 30. I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is 
all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products uh, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus, and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. It's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood-brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time. Right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. What have you found to be in that stillness in those moments of just taking rest and silence? Like have there been thoughts that come up? Yeah. And it's not even necessarily because I know we have these conversations constantly about mindfulness and yoga and meditation and slowing things down. I challenge that it's not even necessarily about all of the things that mm-hmm. we do and then try to like, okay, so, oh, I'm, I'm distracted. So mm-hmm. I'm going to now be mindful as I wash my dishes more so even like, how am I using these tools to run away from something? Mm. Like, what am I running away from? Because I see people, I mean, yoga people are just as fucked and egoic as everybody else. It's not like if you meditate now every single day, you're, you're, you're still going to bring your stuff with you. So I'm more interested in, well, when you're feeling anxious and when you're feeling afraid and when you're feeling alone, what do you do then? What do you do to tend to yourself? How do you make sure you're not turning away from yourself? Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, both are important and I totally, totally honor mindfulness. I mean, I teach that. It's great. It's just, let's make sure that we're not compartmentalizing our own spirituality either. That we're not looking at, oh, when I'm on the meditation cushion, then I'm holy and I'm ego free. But then every other part of my life, I get to be this stressed out person who's very mean and rude and hurtful to myself and to other people. Mm-hmm. How would you do that? So how would you go about like turning inward and figuring it out? Like if I was to use myself as an example, like, and you know, I'm 
eating to numb or I'm just like staying busy or, you know, something like that. Like, what would I do? Like when I, I just, and sometimes I don't know if I'm stuffing a feeling down or I'm just like addicted to doing. Mm -hmm. And I just am like so hungry for like what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. This is what I, a lot of people like to call like shadow work, which I think sounds so fancy, but I don't, I think of it as just the work which is a deep inquiry, a deep curiosity as to like, why, why am I eating right now? Like what's here? Like what's coming up within me that I'm feeling really uncomfortable around? And can I just create a little bit of space, even just like a teaspoon amount of space where I can hold whatever that is, even if it's just for five minutes and then I have to go back to eating because it's too much, Mm. you know? So it's about turning in. It's about getting curious. Why is it that when that person made that statement about my nap, I got judgmental of myself and my nap. Like, what is that about? Mm. What part of me feels like I'm unworthy of my own self-care? You know, what have I been taught about self-care and about loving myself when I was little that makes me now question whether even just taking a nap is okay for my mental health? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 It's so much work. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. And you know, It doesn't have to be this big thing, I think is what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. It doesn't have to be, again, like you have to now go off and journal and spend hours, you know, dissecting yourself. But if we can remember any time that we're doing something that feels slightly off, we're reactive in a way that feels slightly off. If we can just take a breath and ask ourselves, like, what's here? Mm -hmm. What's, What's the invitation here? How can I be aware of what's happening in my body right here, right now? Mm -hmm. Then we start to open up and open up and like a crack starts to open, mm. right? Between the reactivity and our, you know, or the, the what is it? The stimulus and the response. And that's what we're always looking for mm. is that space. Yeah. In terms of people having access to this type of conversation yeah. or awareness, you know, we're having these conversations. Thank God podcasts exist, things like that. Books are accessible, but... I mean, it's just kind of like a common thing in LA or New York, wherever it is to have kind of these like conversations about, you know, turning inward and all of that. Like, what is our responsibility or what is, you know, your hope and your vision for kind of making this more mainstream is the wrong word, but do you know what I'm saying? To make mm-hmm. it accessible to more people yeah, oh, that's in a, a great digestible question. way. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I'm curious about making my work digestible, and if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think we have enough Tony Robbins. Completely. We have, I think, enough Gabby Bernsteins and Marion Williamson's to get people in the door. Mm-hmm. You know, those people are angels in that they activate something. They start moving people in in ways, right? They start saying, huh, maybe I do have freedom in my life. Huh, maybe I'm not a complete victim to circumstance, right? Like those are those are the gateway drugs. Mm-hmm. I see, Entry level. Yeah, and that, that serves. That's a purpose mm-hmm. that serves. Me and my work, I used to want to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. Now I realize I just want to be mm-hmm. for a small group of people who are really into going into that depth. You know, and so you're you're right. In many ways, I don't think my work is necessarily quote unquote accessible for people who aren't interested and willing and able to go there. Um, but if you're interested, if you're willing, then you're able. You know, like mm-hmm. the, I'm not some 
magical, enlightened Dalai Lama. Like I'm a regular girl living in LA who have been doing this work for 10 years, my own internal work. And I'm finding that this is resonating and landing with a lot of people. And let me just go on a slight caveat. Here's what's important about not turning away from ourselves. And I want to make sure that I loop this in because this is really important for me right now. If we turn away from ourselves, we're also turning away from others. We can't show up for others if we're not showing up for ourselves, right? And so let's look at the ways that we as humans have been turning away from each other. Look, let's, let's look at our country right now with Trump. Let's look at the ways that we're turning away from immigrant children because we don't want to look because that stuff's uncomfortable. Mm. So we'd much rather be in the high vibes, love and light. Oh my God, I'm just going to get my green juice and not even read the news because it's so negative vibes. And like, I just can't even handle that shit. So like, I'm not even going to do with it. Mm. Like, let's talk about what we're really doing when we're doing that. Mm. If we're turning away from people who need us and we're not looking because it's too uncomfortable for us, what is that really saying? Mm -hmm. So we want to be conscientious that this work of like not running away from ourselves, it's not just about ourselves. It's about making sure that we also have the capacity, the space to not turn away from our other human beings that are on this planet with us. Mm -hmm. And this is something we talked a little bit about in my first episode. And it has to be reiterated that we can't, we can't be living in this love and light bubble and expect anything to change. That's not accessible. Let's talk about accessibility. That's not accessible. This high vibe stuff is not accessible to the rest of the world because the rest, like I'm talking um, specifically like us white spiritual women of LA, like the, the ways that we surround ourselves in our lives, it's not accessible for the majority of the world. The, the drinks that we drink, the affordability of living a life that we do, it's not accessible for the rest of the world. I think too, like the white women of LA who are in that spiritual world, it's like, and I'm just not talking about everyone, but I don't think they want it to be that accessible. It almost feels like a club. It does. In certain communities. Absolutely. So that's interesting to think about. It's like, why? And also that does it's not- power. It's power. It's power, yeah. It's power. What should we do then? Oh, then we have to start talking about white privilege. Yeah, let's open yeah. it up. I mean, so, you know, this, the fundamental systems of our country was developed out of power. Everything's about power dynamics. And this is the best way I know how to think about and look at this stuff. It's like, think about the people who came to this country at the very beginning, right? They were predominantly white men and their families who wanted to get away from not being able to, you know, have the rights that they wanted in England. They come over and they decide that they're going to take over this land. Mm. Even though this land was already taken, there was already people living on this land. They decided, you know what? We're superior mm. and we're going to push you out and we're going to live here. Okay. So then they were like, okay, now we got to create a sustainable economy. How's that going to work? I know we'll take a bunch of people from a different country who looks different than us. So now we have a, that separation of color. We can make that, oh, they are an other because they don't look like me. So it's easier for us when we make people an other to subjugate them, to oppress them, right? So we're going to bring over slaves and we are going to have power over these people. And now they are going to fuel our economy. So our government system, the first systems in this country, our education system was all developed out of white men holding power. The problem is that hasn't changed 
that hasn't changed. It's just become more insidious. So you say, oh, well, racism is gone now. We live in a post-racial society because, look, we voted for Obama as president. But the thing is, if we look at who has access to the systems, who runs the systems, they're predominantly white men. And they, li- they have a very exclusive club that you can't join because you have to be white and you have to be a male. We see that. So these systems keep certain groups of people oppressed and they call it because of their race or because of your gender, because you're not aligning with heteronormativity, because you're not cis, et cetera, et cetera. Cis meaning cisgendered, which means that you're born, um, you identify yourself as the same gender as the the sex that you were born with, right? That's what Mm -hmm. cisgendered means. And so we live in a society where white privilege benefits white people at the expense of everybody else. And so when you're talking about a group of people in LA who are exclusive, it's, it's very accurate because mm-hmm. you want to be exclusive because if you make it inclusive, then that means you have to share power and you don't want to share power because it's nice to be white. Uh, hello, I've as a white woman, I've never had to, if a cop comes up, I never have to think I can get shot right now. I never thought that. I think, oh my gosh, a police. He's here to protect me. He's here to keep me safe, right? So first we have like patriarchy and that sucks because women have been oppressed for thousands of years. But then we have racism and white women participate in racism just as everybody, every other white person does. White women are not innocent. We are complicit because we also benefit from racism. Mm. But it's heartbreaking, especially when we're talking about the wellness industry and the coaching industry, the self-development industry. It's heartbreaking because we say things like women empowerment. We say things like, I don't see color. I see everybody as the same, right? Like, I don't don't see differences. Like, I'm a good white person. Like, I've had black friends and I have a black son and my dad's black and my this person's black. Like, I can't possibly be participating in what you're talking about. Um, But that's not how that works. You can participate in something simply because of the color of your skin. And so when we're talking about turning away, we also have to be conscientious of that. We can't be spiritual, truly. I believe, and this is my personal opinion, that we can't truly be spiritual if at the same time we're not willing to look at the unconscious biases that we carry against groups of people. That's profound. Yeah, I love that. So, but what are we to do besides educate ourselves? That's a great first place to start. And not just educate yourself, like um, like learning about racism as if it's a problem over there. Right. Because that's what we were taught in school. Mm-hmm. We were taught, oh, the civil rights era, Martin Luther King. We were taught about racism. Mm-hmm. We know that there used to be slaves in this country, but now it's all gone and it's all good, right? So I'm not talking about education as in like, oh, over there, that thing that exists over there that I don't participate in because I'm not a Ku Klux Klan member. So like, I'm not racist. No, education is like looking again and again and again at the ways that you personally participate in privilege, that you personally benefit from the mm. systems that the world is made out of. Look at it. Not because that means 
Because here's, this is again where the worthiness wound comes in, right? Because this gets scary for people. People are like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, I don't have privilege. My life was really fucking hard. Like, I was born in a low-class system, and I don't have any money, and I've had this trauma, and I've had this sexual assault, and I've had all these bad things happen to me. What are you talking about? I don't benefit from white privilege, or I don't benefit from privilege. And we get very defensive because what we hear when we say something like, you got to look at your privilege, is um, that you are not worthy. You're not worthy, and that's not what we're saying. What I'm saying is we have to look at how the wind has been at our backs Mm. for something that we grew into. So are we to blame for white privilege? Am I personally, Thais Sky, responsible for white privilege? No, I didn't choose to be born this color of skin. Like I didn't choose to be born woman. Or Okay, maybe if we're talking about like, you know, soul karmic contract things, who knows? Maybe I chose this, but you know what I'm saying. But I do get to now decide to look at the ways that I may participate in it. So that's the first step is just start to look at the ways that you unconsciously participate. Look at like how many, like look at the books that you read on your bookshelf as, you know, as good spiritual women. We probably have tons of books on our bookshelves. Look at the color of the race of the product, like most people that you're reading from. Look, watch your TV. Notice your favorite characters and what color are they? And then notice how they're portrayed on TV based on their color, right? Just start noticing like the groups of friends that you're with, like what, who, what, do you, does it have like a good racial diversity or not? Why or why not? Um, that's not to say now go collect black friends, right? We're just being in the state of just noticing how bubbled we are mm. as white people. We tend to be very much in our little bubble. Look at how, you know, the ways that things were easier because you were white or because you were a woman or because you were a man. Look at how things are harder for us as women because we're women and not men. This is so frustrating to have this conversation with men, right? Because, oh yeah, like just the other day, I was walking to my car and a man stopped, and I thought he was wanting to get my parking spot, right? And he looks over at me, and I look over at him, and I thought he was going to say, "Hey, are you leaving?" So I lean in a little bit into the car, and he goes, "Hey, you're you're cute, you know? What are you doing?" And this happens. This happens to us women mm-hmm. all the time. This is rape culture. Men don't have to worry about that, mm-hmm. right? Like my dad, my boyfriend, my brother, like all of my male mm-hmm. people in the world, they don't ever have to worry about walking the dog at 11 o'clock at night because they'll be fine. So it's hard to tell men, actually, like this is how it is for us. And we've been trying to say that for a long mm-hmm. time and it's very hard for them to see. So it makes sense that it's very hard for us as white people to see the ways that we participate from privilege because it's so hard to see, but I promise it's there. And there are so many abundant resources of women of color, specifically black women and indigenous women who are doing this work, who are showing all of the ways that racism is still very much alive and the ways that white women in particular are like really participating in that. So like Leila Saad and Rachel Cargill are two women that come up you know, right off the top of my head, they're so active on Instagram. Mm. They are constantly, constantly talking about white supremacy and white privilege and the ways that we can do better as white women. So like go there, start following women of color who are talking about this stuff. Start noticing what they're saying Mm. and really see if you can listen. These are the same tools that we can use when we're doing our own work. For example, educate yourself. Okay, yeah, you can educate yourself on all the crystals that you want, but that's not going to do you any good. Educate yourself on how you can use those crystals in your actual life. 
right? There's a difference between learning how to make a green smoothie and actually making a green smoothie. It's the same thing. Learn how it applies in your life. And then if you're doing meditating, if you're doing yoga, you really want to be in a space of curiosity. You want to be listening rather than immediately going and teaching yoga, right? Immediately telling the yoga teacher, "Uh uh-uh, I know what's better. We want to be in a place of being a student. So it's the same thing here. It's the same work, internal, external. This is how we don't turn away from ourselves and each other. Okay. I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, Yesterday, I did a pep talk uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just... I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, It's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. What do you say to the the argument, and this isn't an argument or a feeling that I have, but I can imagine that in LA, someone sure. would say this, is that focusing on the negative brings more negative or focusing on that Ooh, brings more of that. You know, I love that argument. Yeah. Like, what do you say to that? That that's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I used to believe this. So maybe I should have started off with this. Like, I used to believe all of this. I used to believe in manifesting. I used to believe in like, being a good white spiritual woman. There's so many photos I have of my malas and all of my things. Like I'm a good white woman. Okay. People's like, I really (laughs) participated in the spiritual world. I was a yoga teacher. Like I did so good. So I just want to say that I'm sharing all of this because I've been through it. So I'm not a preacher. I'm not on some high horse. I'm not here Mm -hmm. being like, I'm all evolved. Like follow me. No, 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 no. I'm just sharing my mistakes and my journey and my path. 
Um, and so I used to believe that. Like, I don't want to surround myself with anything negative, with the haters, with the with the bad news, because then I'm going to feel shitty, right? Instead, the way I look at it now is, you know, if you don't look at a wound, like if you get a cut on your leg and it's a pretty big gash and you don't look at it and you don't tend to it and you don't get it taken care of, it's going to get worse. It's going to fester. And eventually it's going to become so much worse. You're going to have to probably cut off that leg, right? So it's not that we are now obsessing with only looking at the bad stuff. Rather, it's the invitation is if you want to have a clean closet, you have to clean your closet. If you, want to, if you want to have your life be in congruency, you have to look at the ways that it's not. This is the epitome of shadow work and looking at the shadows of our society. If we want to have um, the ability to stay with all of who we are and not be afraid of a part of ourselves, we have to develop that muscle by looking at the things that are uncomfortable to look at. That's how you develop resiliency. That's how you develop strength. You develop strength by going through the dark. I always say like the light saved me from drowning. And by light, I mean like the light tools, you know, the meditation and the yoga, they saved me from drowning. When I found Mm. spirituality, I was at the throes of my binge eating. I was so miserable. I was so alone. I was so isolated. I was dying, right? Soul dying. And I found the light and it saved me from drowning. But it was the dark that taught me how to swim. It was the dark that taught me how to navigate the complex waters of being human. We can't push away any part of ourselves and expect wholeness. So we can't push away any part of our society and expect a congruent place to live. And so if you're true, if you're a true change maker, if you believe that you're wanting to make the world a better place and you're not looking at the faults and the wounds and the things that are broken, how do you expect yourself to build a really strong foundation? So after we are going in and kind of seeing where we are individually upholding like these um, systemic oppression, systemic, yeah. thank you, oppression, I have this like feeling of like, am I, and I, maybe this is worthiness, am I worthy of like bringing up a conversation about this? Cause I'm a privileged white girl, mm, you know, yeah. like even just like in, we have such a beautiful group and people have been so vocal and I just like, this is, it's so important. And sometimes I just feel like, well, I'm a privileged white girl. Like mm-hmm. how, where, where do I even begin mm-hmm. I think to contribute to the conversation? I think that that's where a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just want to name that. Yeah. But that's where a lot of people are. And I also want to name that being silent is in many ways being complicit. Of course. Right. But I just want to name that too. I know you know that, but like, let's also add that too. Mm -hmm. So we can, I can honor the humanity of all of us struggling so hard to find ways to grapple with these really big, complex conversations. And at the same time, the invitation is to grapple. Mm -hmm. It's to go in Mm -hmm. because not going in has a cost. Yeah. So, you know, I wish I had the answer. I wish I could say, well, this is how you start or this is what you do. Mm-hmm. Again, there are so many resources available with, you know, people who are doing this work. But for me personally, how I started is by just starting. I just started. I just said it. And then I said it again. And you start getting stronger in that. And you start learning. Because as we do, we learn. Yeah. So we learn faster. Mm-hmm. But this idea that like you're 
just a, a white privileged woman. You know, you are a privileged white woman and privilege comes responsibility. Like I would love for white men, white CEOs, you know, who are running these big companies to be engaging in this conversation. I would love that more than anything as a woman. Why do I fucking have to do all the work? Like I would love for them to take a moment and be like, you know what? I think that there are still sexist and racist things going on in this company. And like, I'm will, I, I'm going to say that there's something going on and I don't know much, but like, I'm going to start hiring people and we're going to start making shit better here for all of you all. I would love that. Right. So it's not that the, he's now a savior. It's not like he's stepping in and being like, I'm going to save you women. You know, like I'm going to now personally mentor women so they can feel more confident. We're not talking about the saviorism of needing to save anybody. No mm. one needs to be saved. What we're doing is we're acknowledging, listen, I have privilege that I didn't ask for, but here I am. I have it. And that means I have a responsibility now to use that privilege. Mm to use it to the benefit of other people. And so you too, you know, you have a whole community. And so you have a responsibility, not just as leaders, but as spiritual white women to be having these conversations. What that looks like and how that looks like is completely up to you and how comfortable you are. And you'll get more and more comfortable with it. But we have to remember that at the end of the day, ignoring it, being silent about it is, is just as bad. It's just as bad. It's turning away from ourselves. It's saying, I'm so afraid of my own unworthiness that I'm not willing to take a stand for another human life. And listen, we've all been there. We've all been there. But then that there's a cognitive dissonance there because you can't technically be a nice white woman if you're simultaneously, you know, oppressing other people. And so a lot of times what we do is then we don't look at how we oppress, right? Mm. But the, the invitation is actually, no, please look, get uncomfortable, get uncomfortable. Feel the shame, feel that shame because shame doesn't kill anybody. You know what I mean? It's just a feeling. It's just a feeling, a feeling that we can all navigate. And the more that you learn how to navigate these feelings without making it mean anything about you, Mm. the more you can then hold positive emotions too, right? Like the more you can hold a container for like the yuckier emotions, the more you're going to be able to actually experience tremendous amount of freedom and happiness. Yeah, that's interesting being able to kind of recognize and hold the shame without having it be personal. Yes. Because I think so, so many people get caught up because they take it personally. Yes. So the shame would be around, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person. Okay. I'm racist. Yeah. Or like I'm shameful. shameful that I have white privilege. Yes. Or I'm shameful that I've participated in this all my life and I never knew. I thought we were doing good as liberal people, turns out liberal people are, are negatively contributing to our systemic oppression, particularly racism. So it's, it's shameful, right? Because you, you've carrying this idea of who you are your entire life. And now suddenly this chick on your phone, Thais, I don't even know who this person is, is telling me I'm racist. Like, whoa, that's uncomfortable. And so we immediately feel this like burning shame. Like, oh my gosh, is she right? That's awful. I can't tolerate this feeling. I make it personal and make it mean all these things about me. So I'm just going to turn off. I'm going to turn away. And the thing is, again, feelings are just feelings. 
this is something I teach and I'm very committed to teaching is about emotions and emotional resiliency because I don't feel like ours, I feel like we live in a very emotionally illiterate culture and we do not know how to navigate our emotions. And then as women, we're criticized for being emotional. You're so emotional as if that's a bad thing. Like, hello, that's amazing. It means that we're intuitive. It means that we're in flow, but we've been taught like, oh, that's a bad thing. We have to be in our logic right? We live in a very hyper-masculine society where the logic rules. Like, how do you make a decision? You make your pros and cons list. Like, everything's about, like, the logic. There's no space for emotions because emotions are erratic. And so because we're never taught how to be with our emotions, we don't know how to navigate our emotions. Just like with the whole, if I don't look at negativity, then, you know, everything will be fine. But actually what happens when you don't look at negativity is that you can't actually deal with it. And that's heartbreaking that we're creating in our spiritual practices, a whole generation of women who are terrified of looking at anything that's uncomfortable. That terrifies me because our world is uncomfortable, because our world is suffering, because there is suffering. And if we don't know how to hold our own pain, how the hell are we supposed to hold the pain for, for anybody else? Um, but anyway, emotions don't kill us. We can hold them. That We do have the capacity to do that. Um, and so particularly with shame, because that's an inevitable part of waking up to our white privilege is shame. Um, and so when we feel shame, the invitation, I always say invitation, right? Because I don't like to tell people what to do. But the offering is, can I be, just let this emotion run through my body. Can I feel what it feels like in my body? And can I know that this will pass? This isn't permanent. This doesn't mean anything about me. This is just an emotion. It's data, not direction. It's just here to tell me something. It's telling me that I've not been looking at this for a very long time, probably my entire life, right? Mm. I do feel like I'm not speaking, I guess, for our girls, but maybe from my understanding of the messages that we've been sharing within our audience and sort of the responses that we've been receiving and the messages that have been transmuting to them that they are applying to their lives. Mm. I feel like people are just starting to wake up to working on themselves. And maybe I'm assuming that of our almost 30 nation is now using these tools to apply to their life, to be better, to feel more like themselves, to be happier. So I could see like feeling like, okay, so I have these things and it's almost like, do people need to feel good and whole and like work on their shadow before they take, not that I'm saying that no one should be taking this on. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just like, do people feel that way that they're like, I have so much to deal with on my own, not even white people, but other races of people probably feel like they have so much to deal with on their own that it's hard to like turn around and see everyone else. Hands down. Absolutely. And that is exactly why we don't look. Yeah. We're so in our own shit that we can't even fathom looking at other people's stuff. And I don't, I don't also want to say that we have to do our own work exclusively before we can do the work of other people, because that's also very harmful. It's kind of like, um, like there's a phrase that I think gets tossed around a lot is like, you can't love other people until you love yourself. And that sounds really nice sometimes, you know, that sounds really nice, but actually I haven't found that to be the case. In fact, I've often found that like, it's by people loving me when I felt the most unlovable Mm. that helped me find my own love for myself. So it's more like a circle. It's it's both can be true. It can can help you see the love in yourself. Exactly. So you can both be loved and, you know, do the work of loving yourself and use that as a beautiful play off of Mm. each other. And so I think it's the same thing here. Instead of looking at, oh my 
gosh, so much pain in the world I can't handle, or oh my gosh, so much pain in myself I can't handle. It's like, how can we use the tools that we're applying in our own lives to better ourselves? How can we make sure that we're also using those tools to extend outwards, to see beyond our noses, Mm. to make sure that our lives isn't just about ourselves? Mm. Because it's very addicting to just be constantly obsessed with ourselves and our own problems. And it's naive to think that our problems are going to go away, right? Mm -hmm. That like at some point in the future, my life is going to be so perfect and I'm going to like have everything that I want. And then, then I can deal with everybody else's problems. That's naive. It doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way. Um, Sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but you know, we get the opportunity to really use these tools for both ourselves and others. Now, you as an individual listening to this, get to decide to what extent and what that looks like. If you are deep in your addiction right now, let's say you're you're a recovering alcoholic and you're deep in your process, then maybe right now, yeah, you need to focus on like, getting your stuff together a little bit here. You know, like your mental health is important and I don't want us to be martyrs either. Self-care is critical. And if you've been out of recovery and you're like, or if you're out of your your own hellhole, right? Like if you're feeling recovered and you're feeling more grounded and you're feeling like you're able to start putting your life back together, then it's an opportunity for you to start looking at the world outside of your own nose. That's not right. Nose? Out of your own... What? <laughs> Out of your own tits. <laughs> there we go. Well, that's, that's what I say. That's what we'll say. That's what we'll say. Because I don't want us to annihilate ourselves. Remember, this yeah. is where we started. Yeah. Like, I don't want us to be using yeah. this new knowledge of white privilege and racism for us to now then feel even worse mm. about ourselves. Like, oh, now here's another thing that I'm a problem. And then, right, it activates our worthiness wound. And then we go into our spiral of like, oh, I'm such a bad person. Like, even this is apparently my fault, right? Mm. We don't want to do that. And wherever we are doing that, we want to honor that. But it's just, I don't want us to be using our pain as an excuse, but rather as a catalyst. I guess I'm just scared almost to fuck up. And like, maybe that's a shame thing. But I'm like- We all are. You know- And it's like really to be thinking about it, it's part of our evolution and, you know, in our, within our evolution, um, talking about suicide, mental health, Mm -hmm. rape, you know, all of those things we've evolved and continually talked about and been open to talking about. So it's like, this is part of it and starting the conversation with you before having the conversation, um, in previous conversations and kind of talking about it more so now. It's like part of how we're evolving as a community. So that's kind of like where I see the conversation going with us is really making sure to weave it into the conversations that we're having with the guests that we're having. We have been working on it for the past months now. Um, so it hasn't been like a, a new topic to us mm-hmm. internally and our team. Um, at Almost 30, we talk about it Mm, every day. We've yeah. been talking about it every day for the past couple months now. And it's kind of frustrating that it has the situations or the guests that we've been wanting to come on to have these conversations haven't come to fruition. Um, so that's really frustrating to be honest, is that I'm kind of getting emotional about it because we care about it so much and we want to do right by our audience and we want to make sure that they are exposed to these conversations. So it's it's hard that we haven't had them yet, but I know they're coming. And I know the right ones will come when they do. Yeah. Well, and this is something that I contributed in the conversation in the Facebook group. You know, it's like we want to be careful when we're starting to, as leaders, you know, we're like, oh my, like, okay, for me, 
let's talk personally. For me, I'm like, I had a podcast before the one I have now, and they were predominantly white guests. And when I started waking up to my white privilege and to whiteness and to how white the spiritual community is out of a decision, not because there aren't people of color in the spiritual communities, but because of, you know, we've isolated ourselves. So as I started waking up to this, I was like, oh my gosh, like my podcast is contributing to the problem. Like I need to fix this right now. The danger is it runs the risk of tokenizing people of color, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like bringing people of color on just to add check marks to our diversity boxes, just to say, oh, I'm diverse. I'm a good person. Look, I'm not racist. Check. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's what you two are doing at all, but I'm just saying for me, that was the risk that I was running because I noticed that I was collecting people of color in my communities as M&Ms, as a way of being like, oh my God, now I get to be this good white person because I have all these like people of color in my circle. Um, And I had to take a radical step back and really look at myself. And what I've come to recognize is that the more I do my own work of understanding my privilege, understanding how my teachings were perpetuating white privilege, how my teachings were inaccessible to every woman, and they were from only from a white lens, right? The more I started to understand, the more people of color naturally started to feel safe in coming into my community. Mm. And they started to feel safe and say yes to being podcast guests. And they started to want to contribute to that conversation. So wherever I see any area, community groups where I'm not seeing a lot of people of color, the only thing that that tells me is that they don't feel safe. Because if they felt safe in that space, they would be there. Mm. Um, Safe meaning that they feel like they're being seen. So let's talk about colorblindness for a minute because that's something that we hear a lot. Like, I don't see color. I don't know why this is such a big deal. You're only inviting people who are really good, you know, guests or whatever. Like, what does it matter what race they are? But when we say something like that, it's very equivalent to a man saying, I don't see gender when they look at me. I'm like, excuse you? Like, my gender has defined my life. Like, being a woman has defined me. My womb right? Like this stuff, my breasts, my, my figure has defined me and my life is judged based on that. Mm. Like people will say, you're a woman and they will make certain decisions about who I am based on that. So if somebody says, oh, I don't see gender, like I, then I'm like, then you don't actually see me. You don't actually see the experience of my life. And so I'm not going to feel safe with you because I don't feel like you're actually witnessing me the same thing when we say that to a person of color, when we say, oh, I don't see black or white, I'm colorblind. Well, then what you're really saying is their lived experience as a black person in our society is not important to you. And so they won't feel safe. They won't feel safe in in sharing their fullest expression because you're not honoring their lived experience, right? So it's like we want to be really conscientious of how to create that safe space. And we do that. The best way that we can do that is by first dropping these stories about colorblindness and really looking at the uncomfortable truths that is in the back of our heads about what we believe about people of color, about Black people, about Muslims, about immigrants. What do we really believe? You know? And it's dirty. It's airing out our dirty laundry. You know? It's cleaning out that closet. But hey, how can we step into wholeness if we're not looking at all of who we are? Mm. Yeah, I've never, I don't think anything. Like, it's like, I'm literally just so wrapped 
up in this and doing this, it's like, I don't even, I don't even like look at like anyone, any of my friends, what they're doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't even look at like myself. I don't look at anyone else is doing like, I don't, the people that we have are people that have pitched us, have been directly connected to us. It's like, I haven't even like had a chance to like look at the world and be like, what conversations are happening? What should be happening? And that's most people. Yeah. Honestly, you're just a representation of most people. I mean, look, also, you know, black people make up 12% of our population. So, you know, I think white Americans, I think they make up something like 55% or 60% of our population. So just by those numbers alone, like, of course. And then if I look like when I think about how I grew up and like the neighborhood that I grew up in my neighbors, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we are comfortable in white only spaces and only seeing whiteness because that's all we've seen. That's all we've known as, uh, you know, upper middle class white people. And the minute you start understanding that, then you have a real choice. Do you want to continue that? Or is it time for, you know, to do something differently? Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I was like, oh, I can't. I can't run a business this way anymore. Mm-hmm. This is what we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't do this anymore. I can't run a business where I'm only teaching about these white principles. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't uphold this system while also talking about women's empowerment. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. And so I'm a fast mover. I mean, that's just who I am. I like move really fast and I just made that shit happen really fast and I dove in and I made it happen really fast. I don't expect anybody else to move in the speed of which I did, but we do have to move. And that's what both of you are doing now. You are moving. You are making it happen. You're opening up the space. You're educating yourselves. And this is, this is important work. It's important. It's reverence. It's reverence, right? That's how we want to be approaching this. Not willy-nilly. This is not a conversation about lip gloss. You know, mm-hmm. this is not a conversation about what is the best smoothie to make. Like this is people's lives at stake. Yeah. So I love that you're worried. I love that you're scared because it means that you understand the weight, the consequence, the responsibility that yeah. is here. I think that's very important to be not um, willy nilly about this stuff, but use that fear to be grounded, to be thoughtful and to keep moving forward. Mm. Just a lot of pressure. Well, I'm also thinking about, I'm hearing you, like you just have to do and you have to start those conversations and be doing that work. And then is there on the side of, you know, you know, women of color, like if they're, if they have been, um, in their experience, you know, seen, white women as just privileged and Mm. aloof and in their own heads and, you know, not really paying attention to what's really going on. You know, our responsibility is to, you know, kind of break down what has been upheld as oppressive, but is there work on that side that would kind of create a full circle? I don't know how to describe this, just kind of like, an energy exchange where it does become a really like fluid conversation. Cause right now I know we have a lot of work to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not expecting other people to do that work equally, but do you understand what I do? You hear what I'm saying? No, no I really don't. Okay. 
<laughs> I, I, I guess, you know, if w- what you're saying is that we need to do this work and by doing this work, eventually, you know, women of color will feel comfortable sure. you know, sitting down and having conversations and feel safe. Sure. You know, and on... And listen, I just also want to add that perfectionism is a real bitch, right? So I'm not saying like you have to be these perfect, know, yeah, quote unquote, allies and only then, right? Life is a lot more fluid than that. I'm sure there are plenty of people of color who'd be willing to to be in a space where they know what they're getting themselves into. And then I know that they're talking, you know, to a group of white women who are, you know, ignorant. I mean, there, there's, the, there's the full spectrum. So I don't want to speak up for people of color or their experience or what they want or what they need. I'm simply speaking for myself in that, you know, we have to just start the conversations and internally and externally. And however way that shakes out is how it will shake out. I don't think that that answered your question. No, it did in a way. Okay. Yeah. You know, just as there are women who hate women because of patriarchy, there are black women who hate black people because of racism. We've all been indoctrinated by the same juice. Like we've all drank the same goddamn Kool-Aid since birth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So how people respond to racism and sexism is none of my business. So how people of color respond to racism, whether it's to pretend like it doesn't exist, to uphold it, to say it doesn't matter, that is is on them. That is Mm -hmm. not on me. My responsibility is to look at how I'm upholding systemic oppression. Yeah. That answers the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you feeling about this? This is a heavy topic. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, I guess it's, it's, I think about it all the time. I think about it a lot and I just want to do right by our audience. So that's why I think about it. And yeah. I just feel like, and it's a good thing and I'm willing to take it on and I'm willing to take it on times a hundred, but it's a lot of pressure to be a leader of a community in this way. What's the, what's the tears? Like, what are, what are you feeling? I just, I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Every, like, I think about it all the time. I talk about it all the time. What's the fear? I don't have a fear. It's like, I guess I have a fear of like messing it up or like Mm -hmm. not being successful at it or like negative repercussions of it mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's if you're gonna do like it's quite a fucking step to do like again have a podcast like this is what you eat to have a flat tummy <laughs> and then have a podcast that's like hey like let's break down patriarchy and like this is why we're living in a system that like oppresses black people on a continuous basis like that is fucking hard yeah. And it's like not really, no one's really doing it in our way. And it's hard for me to have a conversation that's like, I like to remain positive and I like to remain funny and fun. And I like to also feel comfortable being myself. And that's one of the things that I feel like is most important in my messaging is for people to feel comfortable being themselves. So it's like, it's just a lot. Like, well, I think the gift that you both can offer is to do this imperfectly and not die. And then people are going to start to recognize that they can do it too. 
and they too won't die. Because right? that's how it sometimes feels. It feels like like an ego death. Like we're gonna like, oh my God, the negative. Yeah, right, I was the just negative. about to say, like my ego is totally triggered like right. with, when thinking about yeah. we are in the public eye in a way we yeah. we have a there's a community but this is what needs know. to be seen I know. people need to see this yeah. because people are so scared of having real conversations because of this exact fear but mm-hmm. both of you have the tools have the support you know how to make this happen and so doing it imperfectly is a gift mm-hmm. i don't want you to wait until some perfect moment in time to broach these conversations. I want y'all to do it imperfectly and you will mess up. And then guess what? You will apologize and you will move forward because that's it. That's what happens. Yeah. We make a mistake. We say something. I, I mean, you know, I'm constantly saying things. I'm, mm, I feel like people are so unforgiving nowadays though. Like you can't fucking but say it's shit. kind of on them. And like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like you're exactly. saying, it, it's only our business, how we interpret, you know, uh, racism and oppression and, and it's our job. I, I honestly think, yeah, now that I think about it, we do take it personally in the moment. Make of no course, mistake. And you are allowed to do that. You are allowed to do that. You are allowed to have all of the feelings, all of them. And when you mess up, you say, I'm sorry. I didn't know better. I'm committed to doing better. Mm. You, you own it. You own the apology. And then you move forward. And now you will know better because you, and do better. So, you know, people are unforgiving no matter what. People are having opinions no matter what. Mm-hmm. They're having opinions about you not saying anything. They're going to have opinions about you saying anything. You're mm-hmm. going to lose people. You're going to get pushback. You're going to get people that are going to be so infuriated at you because they want to stay in their bubble. God bless them. God bless America. But that's no longer, we no longer have that excuse, that, that um, not excuse, what I'm trying to say. We no longer have that privilege because we're living in a country where people are being locked in cages. This is way beyond us. It's way beyond us. So we've got to be very gentle with our little fragile ego because he was going to demand a lot of attention. And then we've got to keep moving forward. And what you'll find is that you won't die. You'll get stronger. You'll get more confident. You'll be able to like see people, you know, you'll be able to hold more space for yourself. It's the most incredible, incredible journey. The awakening journey, this awakening to my whiteness is akin to me of awakening to spirituality where I've fallen more in love with myself and fallen more in love with life the more I've allowed in these uncomfortable conversations because I'm no longer running away. I'm no longer living in misalignment. I'm no longer ignoring. I'm looking and I'm learning as quickly as possible. Yeah. Mm. So do it imperfectly. Do it. Do it imperfectly. It's beautiful for people to see that. You know, there is a tremendous responsibility. You're allowed to be scared. and there's a really amazing gift that you're offering your community. And of course, the worthiness one will come up and then you all will call me <laughs> and I'll be over here and be like, yes, <laughs> let me tell you about the worthiness wound because that's a real bitch sometimes. Yeah. But it's just an emotional wound. Again, it does not have to run our lives. Yeah. Insert joke here. I know. Something funny. <laughs> yeah, I think also just you know, last few things, but, um, 
it's like that fear of being seen for what I thought for so my entire life was, you know, acceptable. Like I'm just thinking about my upbringing and mm-hmm. maybe I obviously was very privileged yeah. and just like thinking about um, maybe family that would perpetu- perpetuate oppression, not in a, a way that was what they knew to be conscious, but sure. they just did. Yeah. And like to be kind of like seen as that feels like I'm like naked yeah. running mm-hmm. around, you know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but I love the idea of you falling more and more in love with yourself. Cause I do like, it, it is this uncomfortable, like, oh God, that's the part of me that's like, uh, like really ugly, mm-hmm. but I've never talked about it. And right. I'm, you know, I'm sure all of my friends that I grew up with, we could have a conversation now about, you know, maybe, you know, things that parents would say on the regular basis that was just like kind of things. Yeah. And we never really thought anything about it. But like, if I really go back and dig deep, I mean... It's there. Yeah. It's yeah. there for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's the little comments that our dad made, the little things that was said that we laughed off, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone has it. Everyone yeah. has it. And, you know, the the next thing, I guess, after you start to educate yourself is to start having these conversations. You don't have to have, for those of you listening, you don't have to have a platform with 5,000, you know, Facebook people in order for you to be having these conversations. In fact, it's actually more monumental, I think, to be having these conversations with your friends, to literally have a sit down Mm. dinner with a bunch of your friends and be like, so let's talk about this, you know, and do it messily and it's uncomfortable. But like next time your dad says something, it's like, dad, I think that's racist. That's not okay to say anymore. At least not in front of me. And that's it. You don't have to bitch out. You don't have to like make it some whole thing. We're not talking about removing family members unless, you know, you feel like you need to, but you know, it's like, let's have these conversations Let's have them more often. Let's be talking about these um, these things. And you're going to start to notice the patterns that white people tend to act, do, you know, when they don't want to talk about these things. And you're going to start getting more familiar. So then when it happens virtually online, you know how to navigate it a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But it's good. It's good to be talking about this because you're getting practice. First off, second of all, you're influencing your community, the people in your life. And that that's, Gosh, that's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's everything. That's being in alignment. Totes. It does feel like that. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Oof. You're the best. Well, thank you. You know, this is um wild. It's wild that this is the world that we live in. It's wild that this is the world that we've inherited. And now we get to decide what type of ancestors we want to be. You know, we get to decide what legacy we want to leave beyond just the Facebook, beyond just the podcast, beyond just this moment right here, right now. Where do we want, like, what do we want our children and our grandchildren to know about what we stood for Mm -hmm. and how we stood up for that? And if that's not the greatest spiritual practice, then I don't know what is, you know? I do. So thank you for having me and for being open for this conversation. Um, I'm really excited about where you two continue to take the conversation. Um, I know that it will feel messy and uncomfortable and it will also be very powerful. 
And I think your community is very lucky mm-hmm. to have both of you being willing to have this because I know that a lot of people aren't. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. Thank you. Where can people find you? Oh, well, speaking of social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I am Thais Sky. Um, You can find me on my website, TaisSky.com. You know, Mm. all of the places. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Thanks guys for listening. We love you so much. We love you. you. Next week. Bye. Thank you so much, Thais. You can find Thais at TaisSky.com. That's T-H-A-I-S. SKY.com. And then she is, I am Thais Sky on Instagram. And she also has her podcast, Reclaim, uh, which is a really incredible show as well. So dig into her content. And again, we have a lot of resources available to you for you to continue to unpack your privilege, to continue to educate yourselves, to unlearn, to learn again, um, and to really create change by by acting and making it a, a daily habit, really. Um, I was, I was actually just listening to Angela Davis the other day and she was speaking about like every day doing something towards liberating others. And that hit me because it doesn't have to be, you know, something you can shout from the rooftops. It can be in one-on-one conversations. It can be in brief interactions with people. There is a way that we can liberate others, fight for their freedom. So just encouraging us all, holding all of us accountable. Very much so. And you can connect with our community of amazing humans on uh, Facebook, Secret Almost 30 Podcast Facebook group. Almost 30 Podcast has all the resources, courses, programs. Um, Anything that we're doing is happening on our website and episodes come out every Tuesday, Thursday. Thanks for sharing this with your friends and community for the people that need to hear the message uh, related to this. It's how we've grown. It's how we've created the large and strong community that we have. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. See you soon.